0: now on to the second part on the episode about attachment styles on this month about mental health awareness. Here's the thing, you know those friends of yours that, I don't know, they say, oh, or yourself even, I don't know, and just hey, hey, I just like can't maintain every re- relationship, I just break up with them or they break up with me I'm not meant to be in a relationship like I always find these things that bother me I always find these things that don't work out but when you uh, look back into your childhood maybe you find that the things that you do or the things that bother you of others are the thing that had something to do with your childhood maybe You are being attracted to a kind of person that resembles your father. And that's not like incest at all. It's like your parents were your secure model. They were your role models. So it's uh, logical to think that for your significant other, you look for the person that you admire the most and that tends to be your pe- father or your mother and that doesn't have that doesn't have anything to do with incest but more with the feeling so if you felt safe with your mother maybe you look for healthy or similar things in your significant others without noticing without knowing obviously and um, when you were raised in such an abusive childhood um, that's the only thing you know that's the thing that makes you feel safe because that's your environment so so without knowing that's what you're going to look for some people say that oh I just like get with these people they treat me so badly why can't I just like fall for a good guy or I fall for guys for boys not men like are you really Sure, that's the way it is maybe if you
1: this is like <laughs> powerful okay I' am like i am i'm i'm honestly I'm honestly learning a lot i I mean like I've said in the last episode or two, I don't remember, but I was like, this is better than a psychological session or a session with a psychologist. This is better than weeks or months of seeing a psychologist, and I promise you i I honestly do believe the audience' are going because. Now, as I said, I'm learning as a person that's part of the audience as opposed to someone who's already prepared.
0: Well, I gotta say that I'm not a psychologist. So I just like really interested in this stuff. And this is not something that openly a psychologist is gonna normally tell you. They identify these patterns in their heads and they tell you how to fix them. But not every time they tell you how they work. This is more like um, self kind of books, you know, stuff. The way that they teach you stuff to work on yourself. So a psychologist may uh, see that you have a secure attachment style or an anxious, preoccupied attachment. So, But they don't tell you that. They tell you how to fix it. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know. But I'm not a psychologist,
1: I have a question actually that's so like amazing that you said that why just like as your own opinion not because you have the details, but why do you think maybe psychologists don't mention that because I'm actually speaking as someone who has like medical education right and i've did I've done psychology, but do you think it's because they don't want to let you know the tool to no. use, or is it because they don't want to let you know the problem and hence you don't like sink deeper into a black hole of Maybe fear or self doubt or whatever it is that you're seeing a psychologist for. Do you think that's why they don't tell you? But you mentioned that they connect, um, the dots mm-hmm. themselves based on what you're telling them. They'll ask you questions and they connect the dots. But I'm actually really interested to know the reason. Just like, is it a psychological reason or is it more of a personal psychologist reason? Well, that I they don't can do
0: that. I can't you speak think? for every psychologist, but uh, they usually. Like for, for example, there are some psychologists, not um, everyone, but some don't like to give open um, words for the uh, patient problem. For example, if someone you know, you know why? Because tax are really hard on someone. So tax, what? Are? Like, like price tax? Yeah, like tags. Oh, tags. So oh, people yeah, yeah. that go mm-hmm. to a psychologist, they may say, Oh, I'm so depressed, I'm this, I'm that. So if you give them another name, uh, you're gonna say, This is oh, kind oh. of um um this is this is a psychological thing. And that's when you, for example, when you fail a test, you don't say, Oh, I just failed a text a test, okay. Like I did bad at this. No, you say, Oh, I'm so bad at, ev- at everything i suck i'm so stupid you know you tend to um generalize everything that's called generalization in psychology when you tend to to take something really small and add it to everything so maybe if a psychologist see that you do that maybe you think you are a uh, depressive people maybe you, they think you are this and that you know because you tell you tell that to yourself If they give you another name, you may not be ready to treat it as what it is, just an attachment, something that's not your fault because it's really complex to see that as not your fault. So I think that's why. And because it's really complex that's
1: That's the perfect answer. Yeah, that's the perfect answer. That made complete sense to me, actually. The whole price tag and the whole, they don't want to add one more tag to your price, one more price to your tags of, problems that they already know you have so it's best not to tell you why or where it's coming from but try to do the consultation which is why they're doing their yeah jobs. they tend to just okay. like treat nice. you
0: and give you tools because that's their their job but sometimes they don't tell you everything they know because sometimes it's better for you to not know everything <laughs> it depends but yeah, yeah. so yeah. moving on yeah. because we have three more attachments <laughs> out and they get more complicated as we go So the second one is anxious preoccupied attachment. So this is low on avoidance and high on anxiety. So they crave closeness and intimacy. They are very insecure about the relationship. Unlike securely attached couples, people with an anxious attachment tend to be desperate to form a fantasy bond which is a name for an illusion of connection that provides a false sense of safety. So maybe you have an unhealthy relationship, but you don't say that to yourself. You fool yourself and you say, oh, no, no, I'm being healthy, but I feel fine here. But you don't. So that's a fantasy bond. You create that bond that doesn't really exist in your mind. So instead of feeling real love and trust toward their partner or friend or whatever, they often feel emotional hunger. They are frequently looking to their partner to rescue or complete them. They look for things that they think they lack on somebody else. So although they are seeking a sense of safety and security by clinging to their partner, they take actions to push their it away because they want to feel complete uh, having someone else which is not healthy but also they are so afraid uh that the that of their relationship that this that it's not gonna work because they're so afraid of intimacy but they crave it so much that it's it's like i want but i can't something like that so even though anxiously attached individuals act um, desperate or insecure, more often than not, their behavior exacerbates their own fears. So when they feel unsure of their partner's feelings or unsafe in the uh, relationship, they often become clingy, depend- demanding or possessive toward their partner um, they may also interpret independent actions by their partner as affirmations of their fear. For example, um, if their partner starts um, socializing more with friends, they may think, oh, see, he doesn't really love me. This means he's going to leave me. I was try not to trust him. You know, they look for signs of what they think is true in their minds in things that they are not important at all. You see the difference between the secure and yeah. the um, anxious preoccupied attachment?
1: Yeah, anxious, yeah. Mm-hmm. And may, I mean, just from how it's like said secure and anxious preoccupied attachment, you definitely get that. And then with the like excellent explanation you've given, it definitely makes like perfect sense. Perfect. <laughs> so
0: these kind of attachments are also <laughs> like, for example, as a baby, if you cried in the cradle and your dad didn't pick you up, that simple thing, can create an attachment style because you are taught that when you need something, you are not given love. Oh, and, and we Christ. think that babies yeah. are stupid, but they are not. That kind of thing create like, um, how do I put this? That kind of uh, behavior, that kind of uh, rejection as a baby um, can create like networks of thinking Without you knowing, obviously, and they expand to everything in the future, without you knowing if you don't change
1: it. Yeah, yeah. You know the interesting thing is you say that babies are like we think they're stupid, and that's actually how we all falsely perceive babies. But when you think about the psychology, the sociology, the everything of how a baby is, they're actually the most intelligent creature when they're born because when they can start learning a word or a letter no one learns better than a baby or a child no one if you teach a child 20 languages before they reach a certain age they will speak 20 languages Mm -hmm. perfectly if you teach them everything about something they will know it perfectly and but then we perceive them as unintelligent because they don't know how to say things or they don't know how to do things for themselves but then we grow up and then we start forgetting many things. And then you wonder, actually, the um, cycle of life is that we are born thinking we don't know anything when we're actually able to learn everything. And then we reach an age where we're very old. And then we don't really know how to do things that we used to know how to do anymore. So I think it's like a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very, like, it's a very... Funny way of seeing the circle of life, I should say. We tend
0: to underestimate uh, how important a childhood is for some baby. Also, the emotional part in a kid. A kid is so emotional. A kid is emotional. But we think that an adult has to be rational, which is not true. They have to be both. So as a kid, if you are mistreated emotionally, you're going to be like apparently, and maybe a very rational adult, but you're emotionally wrecked. You have no emotional intelligence because they uh, wrecked that. Or maybe you had such an unsafe relationship with anybody in your childhood, you know, the role models, that you don't have that emotional intelligence. That's so, so important. So that's also a very important thing. So moving on because we are like really late. <laughs> I think mean, uh, we have dismissive, avoidant attachment. Um, so this one is high in avoidance, but low on anxiety. So um, they are un- uncomfortable with closeness. Um, primarily values independence and freedom. Um, they are not worried about um the their partner's um availability. Like. They are so their own person. So that's why they are low on, on anxiety, you know. So people with uh, dismissive avoidant attachment have the tendency to emotional distance themselves from their partner. So they may seek isolation and feel, quote unquote, pseudo independent, taking on the role of uh, parenting themselves like they don't need anybody else. But what? what if what is a relationship if you think that you don't need the other person for something if you can depend on them on, on anything or something specific so they often come off as focused on themselves and maybe overly attending to their creature comforts like maybe they are so their own person that they uh, tend to forget the relationship sometimes so this pseudo independence is an illusion as every human being needs connection we all need connection we are social beings so you can't be your own person you can't be the the only thing that you need because it's not possible it's just not the way it works so if you uh trick try and trick yourself into thinking that you are the only thing that you need you're gonna be so unhappy because you are not able to open yourself up to anyone to feel what being loved feels like. And that's um, so emotional damaging to a person. So um, people with a dismissive avoidant attachment tend to lead more inward lives. Both denying the importance of loved ones and detaching easily from them. They are often psychologically defended and have the ability to shut down emotionally. That these they seem that they have no emotion. You know these people that you think they're cold. You know, so even in heated yeah. or emotional situations, like maybe a, a really uh, you know, important conversation, you'd say, they're able to turn off their feelings and not react at all. For example, if their partner is distressed and threatens to leave them, they will respond by saying, I don't care. But that's not true. They care. but That's just the security blanket that they have to develop to grow up as healthy as possible with the tools that they were given as a kid. You know? So it's really uh, important how you treat a kid because that uh, can... Change so much about that kid in the future. And finally, we have the last one, which is the worst one, you'd say. And this one is called fearful avoidant attachment. So the word fearful, it says something. So this one is high on avoidance and high on anxiety. And so they are uncomfortable with intimacy and also worried about their partner's commitment and love. So do you see the problem here? They're afraid of being intimate and being close but they are worried about that they are worried that their partner doesn't love them but at the same time they push them away so
1: it's almost like mm-hmm. an oxymoron it's interesting you're afraid of something that you're not willing to yeah. <laughs> commit to <laughs> pretty much strangely.
0: so um a person with fearful avoidant attachment lives in an ambivalent state in which they are afraid of being both too close to or too distant from others. So they attempt to keep their feelings at bay, but un, are unable to. They can just avoid their anxiety or run away from their feelings. So instead, they are overwhelmed by, by their reactions and often experience emotional storms. They tend to be mixed up and unpredictable in their moods. They, um, they see relac- relationships from the working model that you need to go toward others to get your needs met. But if you get close to others, they will hurt you. So they are so afraid, uh, hence the fearful in the name. So um, in other words, the uh, person they want to go for safety is the same person that they are frightened to be close to. So,
1: Wow, mm-hmm. this could be the most dangerous yeah, it one is, of it all is. of them. So as I a heard. result,
0: they have no organized strategy for getting their needs met by others. So as adults, these um, people tend to find themselves in rocky or dramatic relationships with many highs and lows. They often have fears of being abandoned, but also struggle with being intimate. So they may cling to their partner or friend. They even, this can even happen with a friend. This is how important it is. This is not like your significant other. This can happen with your best friend. That's how important it is. So um, they often have fears of being a man, let's say, but struggle being intimate. But they also cling to their partner or friend when they feel rejected, then feel trapped, when they are too close. So it's like, I want you, but when I'm with you, I'm afraid. But when I'm away, I'm afraid. It's Like, I'm afraid always. So oftentimes, the timing seems to be off between them and their partner. So a person with fearful avoidant attachment may even wind up in an abusive relationship. This is why this, this is the most dangerous one. Because maybe as a kid, you learn that um, I don't know. Maybe you were, uh, such as a kid a lot that shut up all the time. You're not right. Maybe you were so mistreated as a kid because, um, like this one doesn't have to be physically mistreated. This can be psychologically mistreated, and it can be even. This is why I was talking about trauma and at the beginning because some uh, we tend to think that uh, psychology psychologically, for example, miss. Treat can be like telling, um, telling someone every day that they are worthless, like these direct uh, attacks, but they can be, for example, gaslighting, telling you something, and then when you tell me that I told you that, I say, oh, no, no, I did not tell you that you're inventing, you're lying, that's gaslighting, like um, pretending, some, pretending that I, for example, didn't say something to you, so now you're feeling like a fool, like you just invented it, you know, you are so, you're not validated at, at all, so that can be a form of psychological um, mistreat, so it's not just saying ugly things to you, some people in their faces every day. It can be just like, as a, for example, imagine as a kid, Do you go home from school and maybe at, at class you um, I don't know, you had to draw something, maybe you draw a house, I don't know, whatever. So you go home and you're so excited excited because you are part of your tiny house that you drew at class. So you go home and then one of your parents, I don't know, your mom, your dad, your brother, whatever, your model, you know, you the figure that you look up to, it can be your uncle if that's what you grew up with. So, if that person tells you, oh, what a shitty drawing, what an awful drawing, oh, that's the best that you can do, you know, that can hurt a child more than you think. Because maybe in their future, they just think, oh, I just can't do anything right. Everything I do is bad. Everything I touch breaks. So, I just deserve to be mistreated because I suck as a person. I'm a horrible person, I have no value. Because that's what I've been told my whole childhood. So in um, the future, I will look for people that mistreat me, because that's what I think it's normal. That's what I think love is. That's why I, I'm still with this um, partner that hits me, because I think that's love. Because that's the love that I have, and it doesn't. I mean, for example, someone that has an abusive relationship, maybe physical, um, in their future, but that doesn't mean that their father hit them as a kid. No, but maybe psychologically they mistreat them as a kid or their uncle, as I say, that, the model that they grew up with. Maybe their close closest friends. Maybe you had great parents, but your best friend, every time that you talked to them was saying ugly things to you. You know, that kind of things really marks us. That's what I told the, the story about the man that was crying his eyes out because his grandma told him as, when he was six that he was being too loud. Like, so you see the heaviness of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And so that's why, yeah. um, like, um, when I see kids um, with their parents and maybe their parents to just oh go watch some tv or they really say some things that we think that they are not harsh for us but for a kid that doesn't really have their mind developed that this this now is when they are gonna think their their world works the way that you treat a kid is the way that they are gonna think the world moves so if you teach a kid that um um insults are daily things then they think they are daily things and they do that maybe they uh, tend to insult people because that's what they're used to like kids that uh tell so many um bad words bad words is uh sometimes oftentimes because their parents uh say that to them like, I've seen it so many times. Like, I've seen so many kids telling so bad things, and their parents just laugh. Like, oh, so funny. Such a, a tiny kid saying a bad word. Okay, maybe it's funny to you. But why is it, what is that teaching your kid? It's not teaching, like, a bad word is the word itself is not bad, it's what it means. They don't really know what an insult is is so if if you love as like as an adult when your kid said something bad that's truly bad maybe you think it's really funny that your kid um say something bad to his uh cousin then he's th- he thinks oh they are laughing they're giving me approval they're giving me something positive or something negative that I don't know it's negative. So now I'm gonna think it's positive also. So I'm gonna do that every time and I'm gonna move around that way of talking and um, creating relationships for everything, you know? So maybe then later in life they stop saying bad words, but that way of mistreating people, like um, treating that with no respect because they were allowed to do that as a kid or they were, they were seeing that as a kid because they did that to them that's what they're gonna do that they're gonna think that's fine as an adult even in relationships even when they are 50 and that is so so heavy on someone so heavy
1: yeah that's that's this has been an interesting a very i mean i've learned a lot i've absorbed a lot and it's a very very interesting topic and i think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from listening to this and as they pass it on more people learn because this is education is It's it should be shared because everyone deserves to have any kind of education because they want it and it's i keep saying it's their it's human rights it's people's rights to have but also just education that is like um necessary for lack of a better word is it should be known because At least you should know what an attachment style is and how it works so that when you're confused about why your child is acting like this at 10, when they didn't used to do this at 6, now me or someone else will know that they need to go back to how something happened back then and it's not always the child's fault. Sometimes it's the adult's fault and the adult needs to take the option of learning from mistakes because that's what makes us better. Is like every time I make a mistake and I learn, I grow Into the next step of just a better person. For example,
0: now that you mentioned being wrong, when I was a kid, I was like, I did not ever in my life see an adult say, Oh, I'm sorry, I was mistaken, ever. So I grew up thinking that being wrong was bad, that if you're wrong, then you're not perfect. So, oh my God, I'm wrong. I did something wrong. Like, I don't mean wrong as bad. I mean wrong as being mistaken. Like you think this is the answer, but no. Maybe this is not the capital of France. I don't know. So I I, I grew up thinking that being wrong was so bad, which is not true at all. So that really uh, marked me as an adult. And that's such a tiny thing if you think of it. So that's why I say it's really interesting to look backwards so the attachment style you develop as a a child um based on your relationship with a parent or as I said early caretaker doesn't have to define your ways of relating to those you love in your adult life you can change that and there can be exceptions obviously so if you come to know your attachment style you can uncover ways you are defending yourself from getting close and being emotionally connected and also work toward forming an quote-unquote air and secure attachment. You can change that attachment. It's not um, definitive. You're not going to die with that attachment. You can change it. It's difficult because you were with that your whole life. But you can change it. So you can challenge your defenses by choosing a partner with a secure attachment style. Um, and work on developing yourself in that relationship. It's going to be hard at first because it's so different, but it can help. So therapy can also be helpful for changing maladaptive um, attachment patterns. That's what we were talking about earlier. So by becoming aware of your attachment style, both you and your significant other, your friend even, your co-worker can challenge the uh, insecurities and fears supported by um, your age-old working models and develop new styles of attachment for um, having a satisfying, loving relationship, even with yourself. So that's why I think it's really important to have a notion of your attachment styles.
1: Yeah, this has been a great podcast, definitely for me. And when I listen again or a second or third time, because when you listen once, you learn and the second time you kind of record and memorize and by the third time it can become a new way of life or a new way of understanding and learning so that's why I like to go back to mistakes go back to podcasts go back to everything and I'm just so glad that again. you learned
0: something from this <laughs> because I try that you learn something from this so that's that's just what it go with like I'm just really happy
1: Oh yeah, I promise you. I mean, this is, at least I speak for myself and I think the audience would say the same. I promise you, we are learning a lot from, I mean, I've learned a lot from Mental Health Month. I'm never going to look (laughs) at May Mental Health (laughs) Month the same ever again, because it's just kind of there in like social media that it's Mental Health Month, but what makes it Mental Health Month? What teacher? I've not, and I've gone through the whole social media now trying to find what I can learn from other people and what they're doing. But for me, sometimes it's just a tag of like, this is, this month, but what really makes it that month make people really understand? Because when you make me understand, it's May Mental Health Month, and it's and sometimes it comes to me because I've seen it somewhere and it's just in the back of my mind. But like I said, like now, I promise you that forever when May comes, I'm going to remember Mental Health Month because you taught us a lot of things. And obviously, we appreciate that you take the time out of your busy schedule. Miss Maria's graduating this year and she's doing final year courses. And Fana, your exams and so many things at the same time that she's working with us in the foundation. So obviously, I speak for myself as just the founder, that we appreciate this education because I'm learning a lot and I think people are learning Thank a lot you so in much, the process. Man. I also. really
0: enjoy uh, having this podcast because this is something that I, as you know, I'm very passionate about. And I think it's really important that people have a, a simple notion of any of this. And But also, I'm graduating next year. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh, yeah. yeah
1: okay. COVID 19. Sorry. It's changed our lives for the better or for the worse. It depends on how you see it, I think.
0: Yeah. Or how that, we want that, to that's see That's pretty it, much it. Say. So, um, next next week, e- we can try and answer some questions if people send that to us for email, email, for example. So it's international.taf at gmail.com. So, any kind of questions or inquiry or topic that People want us to talk about, they can send that to the email or to
1: you. And if not, yeah, and if not, just in the future, because from June we're just going to be trying to do like personal work on our first General Assembly, which is going to be very interesting, I think, because I have a lot of ideas and I can't wait to hear what everyone else in the board has as it comes to ideas when we don't have to think about you know, exams or the next week podcast or that kind of work, but just focusing on getting this one September 13 goal together in like a general assembly for the youth. Because I think when when the youth, when we have our first general assembly, it's going to be historic. And I say the word historic, not just because of just the word and what it means, but just because I have not seen it happen yet. Because yes, it's the thing that we wait for the older people, we wait for the adults, we wait for the government, we wait for whoever to do what we say or we know they're supposed to do. But what makes you a real adult is not your age and your experience, it's when you really know what you want, and you fight for what you want, and you stick on that road, and you know what needs to be done, but then you also go for it. Because a matter of knowing what is supposed to be done and just waiting for someone else to do it is not really good enough, at least not for me. That's just how I am. This is what has, like, kept me going, is knowing that this is what it's meant to be. And I, I grew up with parents that never gave up. So, like you said, attachment styles, you know, why should I give up? You know, that doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't run in my blood. Let's just say that, for lack of a better word, it doesn't run in my blood. So that's what makes me the yeah, stubborn fighter that you I am,
0: i can confirm that i can confirm <laughs> that so so yeah so this is everything for today's yeah. uh, podcast see you next week and thank you again Tafunder, for being here